listening to Expand Your Horizons, the podcast for English language teachers and wanderlust indulgers. This is Lauren and Shannon, teacher training duo of TefelHorizons.com. Each week, we bring you teaching advice, travel tips, and inspiring stories from around the globe. Here's to making this big world a little smaller by connecting ESL teachers everywhere. Welcome to this week's episode of Expand Your Horizons, the Tuffle Horizons podcast. I'm happy to be back on the podcast with Lauren this week. And before we get started, I just want to give you a little bit of context about this week's episode. So Lauren and I actually recorded this conversation some months ago. Um, At the time of recording this, that's the beginning of 2020, so the very beginning of this year. And we did it because, interestingly, we were already at that time thinking about doing a series of podcast episodes completely focused on teaching English online. We felt that the industry was moving in that direction. Uh, We'd gotten some great questions from our followers regarding teaching online. And then, of course, uh, several months later, the COVID-19 pandemic hit. And now this content has become even more relevant than we ever could have imagined, as teaching online is now really the only possibility for many people around the world. Um, if you are quarantining, it's you know really not possible to go into the physical classroom at this time. So really happy to have this content for you this week. Um, in this episode, we're going over the differences between teaching online and teaching in person. So at this point, it's very likely that if you are working as a teacher currently, you have already tried your hand at teaching online. Um, but hopefully this will still give you some food for thought in terms of the main things that you'll want to consider Uh, when teaching online lessons versus in-person lessons. And if you're just thinking about getting started teaching online, this will certainly be helpful for you in terms of giving you a really solid background um, in terms of the things that you'll want to think about. If you're looking for even more hands-on training about how to teach online, we are doing a series of webinars right now. Uh, The next one is this coming Friday, which at the time of recording this will be May 22nd. That will be at 3 p.m. Eastern time. And the topic is how to teach listening online. So we're doing a mini series uh, this month on teaching the skills online. Uh, So the webinars have been great. We've had a really good turnout and we've gotten a lot of positive feedback. So please do join us if you can. You can register to save your seat for the online webinar at tefelhorizons.com slash webinars. If you are looking to get even more practical hands-on training, you can now do the CELTA course completely online. This is a a new possibility because of the COVID-19 pandemic. So it is possible to get your CELTA totally online. The certificate will be the same, and you will get that six hours of live teaching practice, just like you would in an in-person course, except now it will be online teaching. So you'll actually be trained hands-on with real students um, in teaching online lessons, which is actually invaluable in this day and age. Um, So if you're interested in applying for the online CELTA course, you can do that at tefelhorizons.com slash CELTA online. All right, so now that you have the context to this episode and you've suffered through my additional announcements, let's jump into the episode. Hello, and thank you for joining us for this week's episode of Expand Your Horizons. I'm Shannon, and I'm here with Lauren, and this week we're excited to be talking about differences between teaching English in person and teaching English online. So Lauren, start us off. What's the main difference, the first main difference, between teaching English in person and teaching English online? 
Right. So the first thing everyone's going to think of is like, if I teach online, I need to have access to and know something about technology. Absolutely true. The problem, of course, is that the moment that you introduce technology into a lesson, you also have to realize that you might have problems with the technology. So I think one of the big differences is in the classroom, if you introduce technology, your lesson might not necessarily be dependent on it. Whereas in, uh, you know, an online lesson, you are dependent on at least your, your Wi-Fi working. Right. So, but there are, are simple solutions. So have a backup plan. Uh, think about the technology that you're planning to use during the lesson. So for example, um, let's say I've planned to use the webcam uh, to do a speaking lesson uh, with my student and the webcam isn't working. Uh, what's your backup plan? So I would suggest, you know, um, is is the Wi-Fi still working? If it is, then you can do a web-based phone call and still salvage the activity while maybe not as, you know, great as, as seeing the person's face, obviously. Um, having a backup plan will save you a lot, you know, a lot of time and headaches as well. Mm-hmm. Um, one way to avoid having problems with technology is making sure you practice your technology before uh, your lesson. So that doesn't mean just like signing into your accounts, like if you're using Skype, make sure you're signed in and make sure your ID works. That means like actually testing the components out that you need to. Like, does your lesson need, you know, a chat box? Make sure that works. Webcam, make sure that works. Like test your microphone, all of these things. It will, you know, that, that small time investment before your lesson will save you a lot of headaches in case something does go wrong. Exactly. And I think that's sort of the tricky thing is with online teaching, your student expects you not just to be the expert in English, knowledge of the English language and to be a teacher, but also kind of to be the knowledge person with the tech. Right. Right. So like that, even if you're not the knowledge person, you know, English teachers aren't necessarily automatically tech whizzes. Um, We're not, certainly. Um, But you need to, to know enough to at least be able to get all of that stuff set up adequately and be able to troubleshoot with your student a little bit. Yeah, and you don't have to be too fancy either. In a future episode, we'll talk about the uh, the resources and tools that you can use, you know, to better teach online. But at first, just keep it simple. You can use Skype. Right. You know, Skype. You have a webcam. They can hear your voice. They can see you. Um, there's a chat box. You can also put stuff into the like documents and things into the chat. So it's. It's simple. Keep it simple at first until you're more comfortable adding things, I think. Yes. And if Skype or platforms like Skype, you know, whatever you're going to be using to teach lessons, if that's kind of new for you, you know, just make sure that the first time ever you're signing into Skype isn't five minutes before the lesson starts. Like you're going to want to sign on to the platform and kind of look around a little bit, you know, know where the chat box is, know how to switch back and forth between like Mm -hmm. viewing the video and viewing the chat box, know how to share documents or share your screen if you want to. So just to to be ready so that in the lesson itself, you're not sitting there for five minutes trying to look for the thing that you click on to share your materials with the student or something like that. Yeah, it could be a a good idea to ask a friend if you could just practice, you know, just have a, a Skype call with them. That's a great idea. And it's just going to make you feel a lot more comfortable and it's just going to make you look a lot more professional in the lesson itself. Yeah. All right. So what's the next one? So another difference is that um, when you're teaching online, it's very common to have one-on-one lessons. So probably a lot less likely than in person to have a big group class. So obviously you can have one-to-one or private lessons in person as well. Um, But 
online, it's extremely likely that it's going to be a private class, just you and one other student online. Um, so that is going to present its own differences. We actually have a whole episode coming up for you, probably the next episode, um, where we talk specifically about the differences between teaching one-on-one lessons in general, whether in person or online, and how that differs from group classes and exactly what you need to consider when doing that. So we'll get way more into that next week. Um, but it's just something to think about that it's not going to be exactly the same. And that can bring some new complications that you might not expect. Yeah. Um, for example, it's potentially more tiring, like it's a lot more energy um, that you need as the teacher and that the student needs as the learner when it's just one person talking to one person and you don't have all the other energy from all the other people in the class to kind of deflect yeah. to. Yep. Did I miss anything, Lauren? Other big no. differences with the one-to-one versus group stuff that we can get into now? And I think that you bring up a good point. It can be really exhausting. Um, in our one-to-one episode, we'll talk about how to avoid um, exhaustion, how to yes. break that up a little bit. But yeah, do know, I mean, it, you know, you, you're sort of the center of that student's attention and they are the center of yours, right? So it can be, it can be a lot. Right. The nice thing, and again, we'll talk more about this next week, but the nice thing is it really does mean that you can tailor the lesson a lot more to the student's yeah, needs. That's true. Um, and I think you can be a lot more upfront and kind of explicit with the student, you know, rather than just planning activities and doing them. I think with one-to-one lessons, you can get more into the whys behind the activities mm-hmm. and the hows and, okay, you know, what is really helping you, what's not. Like you can do a bit more analysis of the effectiveness of the lessons as you go right. with the student, whereas in a group class, you can't really do that. Yeah. Um, so that's a nice thing, I think. I think so, too. Uh, the next uh, big difference is uh, the materials that you're going to use. So in the classroom, you likely have the same book as all of your students, and you're working through that book. I still highly recommend having a book to base your lessons on, even if you're teaching online. Um, the course book writers have done a lot of research and are very knowledgeable about uh, what grammar is appropriate to teach a student at a, a particular level, what you know the reading text should look like uh, for a beginner versus someone who's advanced. So I think that having a course book in front of you while you're planning even online lessons is a good idea. But the really cool thing about teaching online is that you don't need to just stick to, to that curriculum. You've got the entire internet um, at your fingertips. That being said, you have the entire internet at your fingertips. Be careful. Right. Uh, not every website um, is uh, equally as um, <laughs> uh, beneficial <laughs> to your students. Yes. So, so do your homework. I mean, you, uh, you can get recommendations from other teacher friends um, as to which websites they use. But um, we'll talk a little bit about that in, our, in a future episode as well. What I want to talk about is like how you the the connection between your materials and your student like how do you intend to deliver these materials and what do you intend your student to do with the materials so uh be sure you know of course your copyright laws and all that but let's say i have some sort of pho- um photocopied page or something right uh from a previous uh teaching experience um i don't have a digital copy of it but I really want to use this thing with my student. Well, my choices are either I use like some sort of um, device to scan it to be able to present it to my student um, via the internet um, or some sort of, uh, or I type it up again and share it in another way. 
here are some options. Let's say I've got a really, really great um, handout that I want my student to read. Um, they need to get the reading text on their screen somehow, right? So um, I'm pretty low tech. I'm like, you know what? I'm just going to take a picture of it, uh, the, the reading text only, and just like put it into the text box. Okay, so they've got the text in front of them. But then I think, you know what, I want the question and answer session to be a little bit more interactive. So maybe as they're reading the text, I pop up the answers in the chat box next to the text so that they can see the questions and the text at the same time. As they're reading, they can type their answers right into the chat. I feel like working with a student online opens up your possibilities of, of using materials in so many different ways. You've got a webcam, you've got a chat box, they can listen to, so you've got audio. Um, screen share. Screen sharing is great. Like you can play listening, um, tech, listening, uh, like our audio, um, what am I trying to say? Files. Like, thank you, files. <laughs> audio wow. files. <laughs> audio, that was it. You know, straight from your computer or or from your phone into the microphone. Like there are so many great ways that you can present the information. But you also need to think not only how you're going to send it to the student, but how they're going to send it back. Right. Yeah. How are you going to see the answers? It's not like a physical classroom where you can just monitor, physically walk around the classroom and glance down at people's desks and see the answers that they're writing mm -hmm. on their paper. Um, or even a one-to-one -one lesson in a physical classroom where you can you know, glance over and point, oh, look, sorry, you made an error here. Here's yep. how you correct it. Um, you can't necessarily see what the student is doing in their own work in an online lesson unless they're somehow showing that to you or putting it on the screen. Right. So that's something to think about is how they're going to put it on the screen. Right. Uh, maybe a shared Google Doc that yeah, you're both typing into during the lesson. Like Lauren said, maybe they're typing the answers at you into a chat box. Um, but something that you, that's going to go into the planning of your lesson. Yeah. That shouldn't be something that you're figuring out in the moment either. Absolutely. Yeah, so, you know, as you're writing your little lesson plan notes, do leave, you know, leave some room to write in technology there too. Exactly. Yep. Good. So aside from just the delivery of materials, there's also the delivery of the actual teaching. Um, something that I thought about was when I'm teaching a one-to-one -one lesson in person, if a student has a question, let's say, about a grammar point, it's really easy for me to just go to the whiteboard that's in the classroom with us or on a piece of paper, you know, blank piece of white paper, start writing things down, yeah. you know, write out the some example sentences and start eliciting information from the students just like I would on the whiteboard, you know, okay, what part of speech is this? What part of speech is this? Highlighting things, marking things, showing them different versions. Um, doing that online is more complicated. So you, again, you're going to want to think in advance about exactly how you'll make the lessons visual because I think there's a huge element of teaching that's lost if you don't have that visual component. Yeah. Just explaining or you know using words to talk about a grammar tense is not going to be as effective as the student getting to see examples and notice patterns and you being able to elicit information yep. that you can then highlight on it. Um, so think about you know whether you can download a whiteboard app where you and the student can both be looking at sort of a virtual whiteboard that you can use. If you want to use PowerPoint and then screen share that, um, up to you. But this is something that you'll want to think about. Yeah. Because uh, that's not something that's going to be easy to do just in a chat it's box. Not, it's not. Um, another great thing about uh, teaching online, t teaching one-on-one -on -one lessons, is that the student does um, have your undivided attention. We talked about that potentially being exhausting. Um, but one great thing is that they get... Uh, 
tailored feedback from you. Um, so if you're doing, let's say, a speaking exercise, um, don't feel obliged to interact with your student the entire time, but rather warn the student ahead of time that you want them to answer a question or a series of questions and that you're just going to listen. And it might feel a little bit awkward. Don't let it. Um, tell them, you know, please talk for one or two minutes. And as you're speaking, I'm going to take notes. Um, and then you can take notes on, on uh, the errors that they're making or the, um, the correct things that, that they've said, some of the good structures that they've used, um, and be prepared to give them a very, very detailed feedback about what they've said. Uh, the same thing goes, goes for writing. You know, don't be afraid to let your student use some of that time to write. It might feel weird, right? Because you're sitting there in silence as they're writing a response to something. But the advantage is once they've written for, you know, five or ten minutes, whatever you've given them, and they give it to they send it back to you, you have this amazing uh, ability, right, to give them on-the-spot feedback about what they've just written. And so you can go line by line and go through their errors with them. Mm-hmm. That's a really great feature. The other thing that just popped into my head is if you're using a platform like Zoom, for example, I know has a record feature where you can actually mm. record the entire meeting. So depending on how comfortable you feel with that and how comfortable the student feels with that, um, that's something that would be interesting to experiment with where the student could actually have your entire lesson recorded sure. and could go through that's and true. do some self-correction, you know, correct some of his or her own errors. Mm-hmm listen back. You could provide models of pronunciation that the student could go back and then, you know, listen to the models you provided in the lesson and practice on their own for homework. So there's a lot you could do with that too, that, you know, would be a bit more awkward in the physical classroom to like sit there with a recorder. Yeah. (laughs) You know, and just like in the classroom, how you don't want to do grammar exercises, like everyone does them. Okay. Let's do number one together. Let's do number two together. Right. You don't want to, you want to avoid that in an online lesson as well. Still give your students time to work on things individually and then you can go over the answers together. Yes. That means it might feel a little bit weird for you to just sit there in front of the computer screen while the student is also sitting there in front of the camera, you know, wherever they are working on an exercise silently. But I think that's still really important is that you don't want to just sit there. Okay, look at number one. Do you see it? Okay, tell me what's the answer. Okay, number two, tell me what the answer is. You know, like that's putting the student on the spot. The student needs processing time. They need to make some mistakes. They need to work through stuff. So it's really okay to say, okay, you know, here's this exercise I just screen shared with you or whatever. Take five minutes, try it on your own. I'll be here, but we'll talk about it after. Yeah. And the I'll be here is a really great thing to say, right? They feel like they have access to you in case they don't understand something, yet they still have that processing time. Right. You're not leaving the room to go make a coffee or something. You're, <laughs> you're there, but you're giving them that space to process. Good. Okay, and then finally, this last one is really more of a similarity, I would say, between teaching online and teaching in person rather than a difference. I think a really important thing to remember is that both kinds of lessons, an in-person lesson or an online lesson, they both need structure. Mm -hmm. I think for some reason with teaching online, it's tempting to feel like it's a lot less formal. So it's tempting to think of a Skype lesson, for example, as just being a Skype chat, like a 45 minute lesson Mm. via Skype means it's a 45 minute conversation over Skype. And that's, even if the student says that's what they want, I don't think that's entirely what they want. Um, The lesson still needs structure. You still need to practice different systems, grammar and vocabulary and functional language, different skills, reading, writing, listening, speaking. 
in order for the student's language skills um, and language abilities to really improve, it needs to be more than just having a chat. And I think as much as the student, again, says that's what they want, after a couple of lessons, they're going to feel like something's not right. Yeah. They're going to feel like they're paying for something where they're not really improving. Yeah, true. That's true. Um, I do think at times it takes a couple of lessons for that to kind of become apparent, but it's going to feel like, really, why am I paying this person to just like pop online exactly. and chat? Um, yeah. So that's something to think about as well as, even though it's online, that doesn't mean it's not a quote-unquote real lesson. Um, that doesn't mean you don't need to plan. It drives me crazy when teachers think that an online class is something that they don't have to plan yeah. for. They just have to show up and talk at the screen. Um, you need materials. You need to have a plan. Aims. It needs to have a structure. It needs lesson aims, yes. Um, all of these things need to be thought out in advance to make the lesson really useful. And you can get away with not doing that for a couple of lessons, but I think pretty quickly the student is going to feel that they're not really getting their money's worth. And as easy as it is to find students, maybe I don't think it's easy to keep them that way unless the student feels like they're walking away with an improved ability Yeah. after those lessons. Yeah, absolutely agreed. Okay. Um, so just a quick recap of what we covered in this episode. Differences between teaching online versus teaching in person. Uh, the first big one is obviously the tech, which creates a whole slew of other potential anticipated problems. So you'll want to have a backup plan for the tech and have thought all of that out in advance. Good. Next, uh, there's definitely a difference between teaching a large group in a classroom versus teaching one-on-one online. So you want to keep in mind uh, uh, being the center of uh, your student's attention and vice versa. The next one is materials. So how are you going to share the materials with your student? Think about um, the different tech that you'll need and different ways that you can best show or share the materials with the student. Good. The next one is um, clarifying language. So whereas you would use the whiteboard in the classroom, how are you going to present grammar and vocabulary and things like that on a screen? You also will want to think about feedback. Um, so being able to give students feedback in person is a little bit different than being able to do it online and don't feel tempted to do every single exercise together. Let the student work alone still and you can tell them up front that you'll be giving them feedback afterwards. And finally, just because the lesson is online, it doesn't mean that it's informal. Make sure that you have your aims and a lesson planned for your student. It shows uh, respect for the time that the students have uh, given you uh, and also helps you retain students um, in the long run. Absolutely. Okay. So if you have questions about teaching online or comments about teaching online, if you've done some online teaching and you want to share your experience or you haven't done any online teaching and you want us to talk about other specific things related to it, definitely let us know. There is a comment box at the bottom of this page. If you are listening, um, on our website. You can also comment, I think, on Apple Podcasts if you want to. Mm -hmm. um, but so leave us a comment and let us know. We love hearing from you. Or just send us a quick email at info at And we would love to answer your questions or hear about your experience. And thanks so much for listening. Uh, have a great week and we'll talk to you next week. Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening. Your support means so much to us. Feel free to leave a comment below if you enjoyed this and let us know what you want to hear about in upcoming episodes. If you know other teachers and travelers, 
we'd love for you to share this podcast with them too. And tune in this coming Tuesday for our next episode. Until then, you can find us at teflhorizons.com. Let's keep making this big world smaller by expanding horizons.